Vegas, baby, Vegas! At the end of the game, you count up your money. That's how you find out who's best. If all my bets were safe, there just wouldn't be any juice. Juice. The point spreads, the prop bets, the teasers, the parlays. From Vegas to you. This is Behind the Bets. Welcome into another Behind the Bets podcast. I am Doug Kazarian. We are taping this on Thursday, April 1st. A lot going on. Obviously, today is opening day. We did not do a preview in terms of a podcast, but there's tons of content, obviously, on Daily Wager, but also ESPN.com's chalk section. Jeff Passan weighed in and some others, so we had a lot of fun there. So go check it out. There's still some, you know, way you can maybe get in on the futures, but we're talking Final Four. Dallin Cuff, the ESPN College Basketball Analyst, will return to finish off the tournament run he's been on with me. So it's been a lot of fun to have him pick his brain. And uh, for some of you who haven't had a chance to hear him or see him on Daily Wager, obviously he knows his stuff. And uh, we've had a decent run, all things considered, in this tournament. What, what, what does this mean for Gonzaga UCLA? We'll, we'll see if the Zags are going to cover again. They've covered every single game in this tournament. Most one seeds who've done that actually go on to win the title, but it's just a small sample size, not necessarily a certainty. And the other game, really interesting with Baylor and Houston, Battle of Texas. Line was four and a half. It's pretty much consensus five right now. We also have player props we'll touch on. He's got a few he likes at the end, but we're going to break down the Zags. They are your prohibited favorite, about minus 220 right now to win it all, given they have two more uh, games to win. And uh, big favorites over UCLA at the time of the taping, it's 14 and figure to be about six or nine, depending on who they face in the championship game. A lot going on, uh, not just in hoops. We have the NBA, not just in college hoops. We have the NBA and also other sports we'll, we'll touch on in the coming weeks uh, and other podcasts. But let's, uh, let's finish it off here, this tournament run with Dallin Cuff in the college hoops. I want winners. Time now to continue with college basketball analyst Dallin Cuff as we look ahead to the final four. Dallin, good to be with you and finish it off in this home stretch here. Yeah, man, here we go. Let's run it back. All right, so obviously the Baylor-Houston line I think is more compelling, but let's start with Gonzaga because they are the story right now. Two wins away from a national championship. Um, It is the largest spread we've ever had in a final four at 14. So, excuse me, it would be the largest upset ever if the Bruins can pull it off, how do you see this game uh, playing out? Well, after that bad beat in the Oklahoma game, when I took the, uh, the 15 and a half, uh, it it became really evident to me. You you can't be betting on Gonzaga for the whole game. Um, The way that the way we saw the USC game, USC game, they dominate the first half and the second half, they kind of shift down into into a different gear. And you just don't know what you're going to get. So I I like playing them in the first half. Again, this game, I've gone for the last two games and it's paid off both times. Um, so in, in this regard, I, I would, you know, the first 20 minutes, Doug, you're going to get the best of them. You're going to get hundred percent of what they have for those 20 and after, most likely. And after that, I don't know what the hell is going to happen. So it, uh, it is pretty remarkable that because some of these big favorites and sorry to cut you off, but some of these no. big favorites do kind of like, I don't want to say go through the motions, but you would think they'd all be up for a tournament game. But sometimes we see sluggish starts, but that has not been the case with the Zags. No, and I really think it's a function a little bit about how Mark Few does things within that WCC. When you watch them play in that conference, they're constantly in second gear, and they have a bunch of slow starts, and then they turn it on at some point, usually to close the half and create a gap or in early in the second half, and, and they end up winning going away. This is different. They wait the whole year. When you talk to Mark Few, once they hit January, they, they are chomping at the bit to get to March because it's the, 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 the competition ratchets it up, the stakes ratchet up. It's a different element. And that's why I think those guys are fully locked in from the tip. And they also are out there with a little chip on their shoulder because people don't – I think they see, see themselves in an undefeated record. And I think even if they, in some regard, if they think they win, 
people still may hate on the fact they play in that, in that conference and they won't give them their just due that I think they deserve. So I think they're going up there trying to prove a point. They're not just trying to beat teams. They're trying to crush you and they crush you in the first 20 minutes. So to that end, I like laying the eight points in the first half uh, with the Bulldogs uh, against UCLA. I think it's a tough matchup for them for a multitude of reasons. UCLA has defended well. They're going to try to slow down the pace. But overall, I think Gonzaga is going to overwhelm them with talent. I think there is, I said this before, there's a shock and awe element. The first time you have to deal with the Zags, USC felt it, Oklahoma felt it, Creighton felt it. You all feel it within that first 10 minutes or so, offensively, but also defensively. We have to quit sleeping on them. They're top 10 in adjusted defensive efficiency. It's not easy to score. They, they anticipate very well. They've got great athletes at length. At times, they will double for no reason. Unpredictable doubles coming at you, creating some steals or deflections. They're great at playing passing lanes. I like them laying eight. Uh, and I'm contemplating the over in that first half. I know the slow, the tempo will try to be slowed down by Mick Cronin. UCLA's bottom 20 in the nation. They're going to try to grind. It's the only way you can, and pace. That's the only way you can really contain them. But I'm not sure they can really do that. It's, they, they're still going to get up and down. And I think Gonzaga is going to score in a pretty easy clip. So I'm contemplating the over 69 points uh, in that first half. I'm with you in that. I agree that there's a dismissive component to how some fans perceive the Zags and they've channeled it and embraced it almost and used it to fuel them. I think this team is more like the early run and rebels team, just hailing from a non-major conference, mm -hmm. having that undefeated record being very offensive driven and having some, a top five pick um, Wichita state was nice, but they didn't have the top pick like Jalen Suggs is for the Zags and like LJ back in the day. And even Ogden mm -hmm. and some of those guys were yeah. all considered of, you know, if we have to kind of force the, the, the comparison, that's the one that sticks out to me. Now they're not the defending champ, like, like yeah. when, after UNLV won it all, but there is a component that it's the undefeated record is not a grind in a major conference, but either way, they are the best team right now. My question to you is the biggest issue with USC, especially early on with all those, those turnovers is they have they didn't have, they didn't have guard play that could really handle the ball. Yeah. Until Tiger Campbell can, he's a true point guard. He can kind of maneuver. The question is, does UCLA have enough off the offense, even if they get hot to step up and they obviously have Juzang coming off that impressive performance against Michigan. I just don't think they have enough offense, even if they handle the ball and protect it and don't turn it over. I, I agree. I mean, their, their offense is solid, but those guys have to, I mean, Juzang was out of his mind the other day. Like this, he, was. he was eight for 10 in the first half. And, and these weren't easy shots. A lot of times they were contested like 18, 19 footers. Like he was, it's not like they were running good offense and there was nobody else to help him. Uh, nobody else really helped him in that game. They did enough, though, as a group. And Campbell was good on some switches and whatnot. I think he's important. I do think uh, we overlook Mark Few and the fact that because USC has no guard play and they don't know true point guard, and you know that, he throws out that three-quarter court press to start the game. Right away, they're off rhythm. They're, they're kind of taken aback. They turned it over the first time they saw it. Second time, they took a quick shot. Uh, there were multiple turnovers in the first time in the half court uh, early on. It, it, Mark Few, I think, gets the due of how good of a coach he is to let his guys go at certain times, how to put them in the best position to succeed and take advantage of other teams' weaknesses. So um, with that said, I don't think you might see a, a, any pressing from UCLA unless I, I, I'm pressing against UCLA because I do think their guard play is better. But I do think they're going to try to find ways to get in Campbell, speed him up, and, and make them play a little faster. Um, and those guys, I think, have to have – they have to play the perfect game, Doug. The perfect right. game. Um, and that's, I just don't think they're capable of doing that. Uh, and even, and even the perfect game may not be enough for them. That's, that's how good, that's, that is the disparity and how easy things can come for Gonzaga and how difficult at times things can be for UCLA on both ends of the floor. This, this three week period has been the aberration. You know, we, we saw a really, a, a team that defensively was weak all year, but good offensively. They've been really good defensively in this stretch, playing in slow tempo games, grinding Alabama down, grinding Michigan, Michigan's fine playing slow. 
this game's going to be different, I think, and I don't think they can keep up. I'm with you as well, and uh, it's a great point about Few. Obviously, he gets a lot of credit for turning around the program, putting Gonzaga on the basketball map, recruiting especially. But you're right, the the tactician that he is, that was the that was a great adjustment to exploit the lack of guard talent that the Trojans had. The other semifinal game, and I joked on Daily Wager, and I'll joke here that you were texting me during the Houston game. I can't wait to bet on Baylor in this matchup because you just like the Bears that much. I'm the, an eternal pessimist or a cynic. I'm worried that we're not going to get the Bay, uh, the Houston, excuse me, the Baylor uh, Gonzaga matchup like we all expect. Uh, but I, I do think Baylor has the horses. I just wonder if their shooting is all that. Mayer's great, uh, or excuse me, Meyer's great, but like I just don't. I just wonder if like Houston can outshoot him here. Um, I, I don't know if you need. It feels to like a trap, shooting. I guess. Yeah, I mean, my thing is with, with Baylor, it's less about just Baylor. It is about Houston. It's it's like it's not just to say it's simply like the transit of property. If Baylor would have played Oregon State, how much they would have throttled that team. I think it just put on a clear disparity that the issues Houston has scoring the ball are just so blaring. Like Houston, Quentin Grimes can shoot it. Outside of that, Dejan draws to create. They, they are not a good offensive team. They're an outstanding offensive rebounding team, second in the nation. But if you clean up your glass, you're fine. They, they rely on that. I think their numbers are inflated by playing the American Conference. Don't have many offensive players are very good. Many very good, no real good offensive teams. They've played one top 30 Ken Palm team Houston has all year. And that was Texas Tech back in, uh, back in 2020 or late December, early December, late January, November. I forget. Heinous game that was just ugly as could be, but they outlasted it. a tech team that's similar to them. Defensively stout, but offensively limited. Baylor's not that. Baylor doesn't need to make, I mean, they haven't shot the ball well in the tournament. They're shooting 32% in the three-point line. They're 40, 42 coming in, number one in the nation. But their guards can get to the basket. I think they're still going to be able to do that because Houston loves taking away one player and really good at that. Took Ethan Thompson right out of the game. Took Ron Harper Jr. right out of the game. Yeah. Buddy Bayheim right out of the game. If, if you can take, say, Jared Butler out of the game, they still got Davion Mitchell. You're still going to have Macy O.T. You still got Adam Flagler. This is the best compilation of guards I've seen it forever for multiple reasons, not just the shooting, their ability to score and get to the rim and then defend on the other end, get up in you and they're fifth in the nation and turnover rate. And that's playing in a big 12 conference with high level guards and high level teams. I think no doubt this is, this is a game that I think Baylor will show their quality and they are just on a different level than Houston. So if I have to lay five points, happy to do it. I may lay the, I think the first half is minus three. I might just double down and feel they're just going to control the game from start to finish is what I really think we're going to see happen here. And if they just clean up their glass, they're going to be fine. Again, the number feels cheap. If you want to jump in on Baylor, I think you grab it now because I think it's going to go only go up. I don't think it goes back down to four and a half, although there are a couple four and a half right now in the market. I just think five and change uh, some places, uh, five meaning the change in juice, extra more mm -hmm. than 110. I, I just I, I agree with you that it should pan out that way. It's just a little concerned. Hey, we're not going to do a pod on Monday morning. So if the, we do get this matchup, how do you think? We're probably going to see like six, six and a half. Obviously, a lot depends on how each team looks. And both of these yep. games unfold on Saturday. But do you think Gonzaga, you know, takes care of business? It's the game I've wanted to see all year. And it's the game that I think college basketball needs to see. Like, we need to see these guys play. Um, it, it, just to have the, those two teams that are capable of playing against each other. And I think the two best teams all year long on that stage, especially with the Blue Bloods out. I do think it would be – I think it will be a great game. I do think that Gonzaga overall is more margin for error. I think Baylor will have to shoot the ball well. And Baylor's going to have to defend at a really high level, which they have all year, but their guards in particular will have to defend. But how they defend Drew Timmy and, and his ability to kind of stretch you and, and play in different parts of the floor, and whether it's Flo Thamba or Jonathan Chamo Chachua, they're going to have to have to have great games. They may switch. You could put Meyer on him too. You could go small and put Meyer on him 
Um, but he may be able to abuse him a little bit with, with some of his body and his great footwork in the post. Um, we'll see. I think there's going to be a really interesting tactical strategic approach from both coaches and how they make some adjustments um, because both teams do things so well on both ends of the floor. You're going to have to try to take some things away. The questions are, okay, what are you taking away? What are you willing to give? And as you start to see what those things are, are those teams able to ex exploit that? I think I, I would give Zags the edge. Depending upon the number, you're right. It could be anywhere, I would think, between five and six and a half. Uh, and you're right. It, it, the, the market will react to if Gonzaga destroys UCLA by 30 right. and Baylor doesn't cover and wins by one, that will impact what we're looking at mm -hmm. from the line-wise on Monday. So we'll have to wait and see. I, I'm not sure while I'll fall on that line, but I do think it'd be a great game. And I think if you're going to give me six-plus, I probably would, would go with the Bears because I think they are capable of keeping it close, and they're probably the only team in the country I could say that of. Yeah, I'd say the kryptonite to the Zags that hasn't been exploited because of their opponents has just been sort of rim protection. I've talked about it, but no one's really had a bunch of athletic bigs. I mean, yes, nice wins over Virginia and Iowa and even in the tournament against Creighton and Oklahoma. There's, no one has the athleticism at the run because the, Gonzaga will give up points. It's just their offense is so pure, polished, mm -hmm. and there's such teamwork involved that you have to just outscore them. You're, you're not going to slow that offense down, at least at a college team and – scouting especially if it's a two-day turnaround because you're obviously scouting your opponent on Saturday in this case Baylor and Houston are going to be scouting their opponent and not have a ton of time to put in any kind of new looks yeah I think I think you're right the quick turnaround is is a problem uh and the fact that Gonzaga and both both these teams are they play off schedule they're not like running a system that has to be run Gonzaga plays free-flowing they flow right into their offense looking to score Baylor the same way at times guys will look to drive it Sometimes it's like almost scary, Doug. Would David Mitchell go at you and you can get him to stop one time and he'll almost circle back out at times and say, yeah, oh, let's run it right back. And he'll just go right back at you again. Like that doesn't usually happen very much in college basketball. It is cool. And he's pretty successful when he does it. So you, you can't really, there's a little less, less, less to game plan for there. It's more that you have to, you have to guard your yard. And if you're going to be in gaps and help more, who are you willing to help off of? And for Baylor on the same time, the Baylor likes to, how, how they'll defend at times. You, you, you might have to make some adjustments. Who are you willing to help off of? Uh, is, is going to be interesting. So I, I hope we get to see that game. I obviously believe we're going to see that game. Just real quick, I, when we talk about player props, I think it really paid off the last couple games for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I love that we're in that stage of the tournament when you get them. Uh, I think it's, it, when you look at the Baylor-Houston game, look at guys' rebounds, folks, if for, for, for Baylor. If you're like me and you believe they're going to win the game, you're going to have to have some gang rebounds. So Jared Butler, a guard, obviously, he's at three and a half over under rebounds. I like him going over. Matthew Meyer, three and a half over under rebounds. I like him going over. I think there's going to be a lot of missed shots from Houston. And Baylor, I think, knows that's the game. you got to go clean up your glass. So I think there's going to be a concerted effort by a lot of those dudes to finish possession. So I think that, that category, if you believe in Baylor, I think it's an interesting thing to look at and maybe put some money in there. Okay. No, I like it. That was my final question for you. So awesome job as always. I know our listeners really appreciated your insight. And I do as well, your time and insight uh, on this pod throughout the NCAA tournament. It's been a fun ride, and let's finish strong for the sake of college basketball. Absolutely. Thanks, man. All right, bud. Sounds to me like you guys a couple of bookies. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Behind the Bets. Thanks again to Dallin Cuff, not just for today, but for his uh, entire tournament insight and effort. We really appreciate it here, and thanks to all of you for uh, tuning in, rating, reviewing, subscribing, all that good stuff. And, of course, we also have the Daily Wager podcast we just added around noon to one Eastern every weekday. It's in and out in 10 minutes. That's our promise to you. We break down the biggest games, give you our best bets for that day. And then obviously have some fun with the hour show on daily wager. Go check that out, but download and subscribe to daily wager and behind the bets, wherever you get your podcast.